Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This Christmas, feel joy, gift joy, and send them joy with the perfect gift at Arnott's. Explore an endless array of gifting that will bring joy to everyone on your list. Shop Irish at the Christmas market. Support emerging new businesses with Pitch 22. Or find something extra special from one of our world-class brands. Shop in-store and online at arnott's.ie. Life's full of things we can't depend on. Like the Irish weather. Predictably unpredictable. When you're cutting it fine, but the tractor in front is out for the day. No winner of this week's you-know-what. So much for Lucky 7. But some things you can depend on. Like in home heating. Emo, Jones Oil and Campus Oil are now Certa, Delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future. For home heating you can depend on, see CertaIreland.ie. Jason McIntosh was an abusive husband who had already shot his wife, Megan Montgomery, once. Even though he had domestic abuse charges pending against him and Megan had an order of protection against him, the state decided it would be reasonable to give him back his gun. This is Monsters. Megan Montgomery was the daughter of Johnny and Susan Montgomery. Johnny worked as a real estate agent in the Birmingham area, but was also known as Johnny Ironman Montgomery. He was an eight-time finisher of the World Championship Ironman Triathlon in Kona, Hawaii. Susan worked as a community fundraiser. Megan had one older sister, Meredith, and the girls grew up in the Birmingham area of Alabama, attending John Carroll Catholic High School, where Megan was a cheerleader. After graduating high school, Megan attended the University of Alabama, Birmingham, and got a master's degree in communications management. She worked as a writer for the UAB School of Nursing and eventually started her own fashion blog. By 2015, Megan had married a man named Chris Sykes, who worked for the Department of Veteran Affairs. When they were ready to purchase their first house, they decided to send an audition video to the television show House Hunters. Hey, House Hunters, I'm Chris. I'm Megan, and we're from Birmingham, Alabama. I'm 27 years old, and I work in development for the University of Alabama at Birmingham. And I'm 27 also, and I work for the Department of Veterans Affairs. Megan, tell them about the process. The process was crazy. We went into it not knowing what to expect. Yeah. We had huge expectations and a little bit of budget. Yeah, very small. <laughs> well, Lots our budget, 200, 210 was our yeah. budget. So um, we just, we didn't know what we were getting into. We were first time home buyers, so. They were picked for the show and appeared in an episode called Style Battle in Birmingham. In the episode, they picked between three houses with the help of Megan's realtor father, Johnny. They were able to find a home that was in their price range that gave them at least some of the options they had on their wish list. Spoilers, it's all fake. The people on that show have already purchased a house, but the show has them go to two other possible houses to look at and then they pick the house they already purchased. 
At some point after the home purchase, the couple divorced and Megan immersed herself in her volunteer work at the Greater Birmingham Humane Society. She attended adoption events, fundraisers, and would drive rescue transports. She founded the GBHS Young Professionals Board, and as a teenager she organized a protest of a circus that had a history of cruelty towards their elephants. Eventually, Megan met 43-year-old Jason McIntosh, an officer with the Hoover Police Department. They went on their first date on July 23, 2017, and their whirlwind romance saw them married at a local courthouse in February of 2018. One year later, the couple had a second ceremony in Times Square in New York. The photos show a happy, loving couple, but behind the scenes, things had already headed south. Megan's mother, Susan, said that she once had to pick her daughter up from being stranded in a Walmart parking lot. Her and Jason had gotten into a fight, and he just left her there. Susan said she talked to Megan about her relationship, but didn't know how bad it really was. At 1.53 a.m. on February 23, 2019, just weeks after their wedding ceremony, 911 was called to their house where Megan had been shot in the arm. According to police reports, the couple got into a physical altercation and Megan had picked up Jason's service weapon because she was afraid of her husband. The two began to struggle over the weapon and Megan was shot in the upper right arm. Jason claimed that he thought she had his cell phone. Maybe we should be training cops to know the difference between a cell phone and a firearm. Do they really look that similar? I mean, I can't imagine struggling with someone over a cell phone and somehow thinking they had a gun. I imagine the same thing works in reverse. Also, how do you struggle with someone to the point that the gun is then turned around and pointed at the person you're struggling with without you knowing what it is? It seems really unlikely that he thought it was a cell phone. Megan was transported to the UAB hospital where they worked to repair the shattered bone in her arm. Since Jason was a police officer, the Alabama Law Enforcement Agency investigated the incident. They are a state-level agency that usually investigates officer-involved shootings. During the course of the investigation, they took the gun that was involved in the shooting, which reports say was his service weapon, but it was also his personal property. The police department would assign you a service weapon or you could choose to purchase your own, which is what Jason did. So, if Jason left the department, instead of turning over his service weapon, he would just keep his. The ALEA investigator interviewed Megan a few days later and she told him that she was afraid during the incident, but also said that the shooting was an accident. Eventually, investigators labeled Megan as the aggressor since she was the one with the gun and the district attorney refused to bring charges against either of them. One of the things that the ALEA failed to include in their decision was a 13-minute recording made by Megan of Jason. In the recording, he talks about his fascination with serial killers and that when he has trouble sleeping, he would think about planning a mass shooting in order to soothe himself to sleep. Yeah, seriously, this dude is broken. Also included on the tape was Jason talking about beating Megan to death with a tennis racket and then standing over her dead body and saying, Laugh now, bitch. It's important to point out that the recording was not made when Jason thought Megan was not around. This was a recording of a conversation the couple had. Jason is telling Megan how he fantasizes about beating her to death. So, when they got into a fight, she was understandably scared of him. 
The Hoover Police Department did place Jason on administrative leave and opened an internal affairs investigation against him. He eventually resigned in March of the same year. Around the same time, Megan moved out of the house they shared and began staying with her parents. She applied for an order of protection, and the judge ended up issuing a mutual restraining order telling both of them to stay away from each other. Megan's application requested that Jason have his firearms removed, but it seems that the gun he used as a service weapon was the only firearm he owned. It's not clear if removing his firearm was overlooked or they assumed that it was unnecessary since his gun had already been taken from him. The judge's order didn't specifically call for the removal of firearms from Jason's possession, but he should have surrendered any weapons that he had according to Alabama state law. Alabama Criminal Code 13A-11-72 Section A states, No person who has been convicted in this state or elsewhere of committing or attempting to commit a crime of violence, misdemeanor offense of domestic violence, violent offenses as listed in Section 12-25-32 Section 15, anyone who is subject to a valid protection order for domestic abuse, or anyone of unsound mind shall own a firearm or have one in his or her possession or under his or her control. So even though the judge did not specifically put that in the order, Jason should not have had a firearm in his possession. Unfortunately, the order of protection didn't keep the pair apart. Megan's family said she would still stay at the house with Jason for periods of time. On May 5th, 911 was called again to the home of Jason and Megan. The couple had gotten into another fight, and Jason had slammed Megan onto the ground in the garage, which left her with broken ribs. Jason was arrested, and this time Megan pressed charges for domestic violence. Jason was released on a $1,000 bond. Megan was officially through with Jason, and she filed for divorce. Susan said that Megan would put sticky notes all over her room that said, quote, I am strong, end quote. She had also started counseling. In September, she left her parents' house and moved into her own apartment. Megan was doing everything right. She had left her abuser, she was getting counseling, working on herself, and she had filed all the paperwork that she needed to keep her abuser out of her life. Jason persisted in sending her text messages with threats. Megan posted one text to her social media that read, quote, I will never let you go, and guys will finally figure out that it's just not worth it, end quote. Megan continued keeping her distance and hoped that soon she would be divorced and could move on with her life. What Megan didn't know was that Jason had been texting the ALEA investigator asking for his gun back. He claimed that he needed it for a new job in private security he was trying to get. So, since Special Agent Vince Cunningham was done with his investigation, there was no reason to not give the guy his gun back. I mean, he does have pending domestic abuse charges against him, and an order of protection against him from his estranged wife due to domestic violence. But, I mean, I wouldn't want the guy to not be able to become an armed security guard. What's the worst that could happen? Well, I'll tell you, because women whose abusers have access to firearms are five times more likely to be shot and killed based on research funded by the Department of Justice. People say, well, he could have just gotten a gun from somewhere else. Which is true, but he didn't. He made no attempt to purchase a gun up until this point. He might have legitimately wanted his gun back for a potential job, and since he had it, he decided, what the hell? If Special Agent Cunningham had not given Jason his gun back, November 30th may have come and went like any other day. But Cunningham did give him the gun, 
and with Megan set to testify against him in her pending domestic violence case, he decided to use that gun. On November 30th, 2019, Megan was watching the Iron Bowl with some friends, rooting for the Crimson Tide to smash their rivals, the Auburn Tigers. They would end up losing 48-45, but that wasn't the only tragedy that would befall Megan's friends that night. While Megan and her friends were licking their wounds after the loss at a nearby oyster bar called Courtyard 280, Jason walked up behind Megan, put one hand on the back of her neck, one hand on her shoulder, and told her to go outside with him. Her friends asked who he was, and he responded, quote, I'm her husband, she's going with me, end quote. Her friends said that she agreed to go, but they definitely saw a look of fear in her eyes. Maybe I'm just a naturally confrontational person, but I would not be okay with that. It's understandable to not think that your friend is going to be killed, and her friends didn't do anything wrong, but it's okay to speak up if something seems off to you. People nowadays are so afraid of offending people, but if you think something is wrong, fuck those people. I once saw a young girl, maybe 12 to 14 years old, standing outside of a convenience store, and there was this older guy talking to her, and something just felt off. So I walked right up to him and said, What are you doing, dude? Leave her alone. And the guy quickly spun around and scurried off. Now, it might have turned out to be her dad or an older brother, and maybe they would have gotten offended that I assumed they were a pedophile, but screw that. I was willing to take that chance. The guy turned out to be a creepy dude who might have been working up the courage to grab her, and at the very least, she seemed thankful that I scared the guy away. If I had been her father and someone did that, I would have said, I'm her dad, but thanks for looking out. She eventually met up with some friends, and they wandered off toward a movie theater. Jason and Megan ended up in his truck, where they drove around a bit before he pulled into the parking lot of the Mountain Brook Athletic Center. The business was closed, and the parking lot was out of sight. It was here that Jason beat Megan before shooting her once in the back and twice in the head. He left her body in the parking lot and drove away. At 4.30 the following morning, Megan's body was discovered by a Mountain Brook police officer on a routine patrol. Her body didn't have any identification on it, and it wasn't until the next day when Megan's family reported her missing that they made the connection. Megan's credit card and keys were recovered from the restaurant, and her car was still in the parking lot. Jason McIntosh was immediately arrested and charged with capital murder. The murder of someone who has a protective order out against you qualifies for the death penalty in Alabama. The day after Megan's body was found, a letter arrived at her parents' house from the court reminding her that she was due to testify against Jason on December 4th. Many people believe that was part of the motivation for the murder. 4.30 in the morning, Sunday morning, December the 1st, uh, one of our officers on patrol uh, around the Mount Brook High School, uh, Mount Brook Athletic Sports Complex, um, found an at that time unidentified female um, that was deceased. Um, at the time when he got other officers and detectives there, it appeared that the decedent had passed away from a gunshot, um, at least one gunshot, um, and we weren't sure of all. There was no identification on the female at that time, and from that time at 04.30 Sunday morning, until approximately um, 12.30, 1 o'clock Monday morning, we did not have any idea of who our victim was. Um, sometime around that time, 0, 1 o'clock, or at least after midnight on the 2nd, 
So from Sunday night into Monday morning, sorry if I'm confusing. Um, the family of Megan Montgomery went to one of the Birmingham Police Department precincts reporting her missing. Um, we had given out information to other local law enforcement about our unidentified deceased female um, and Birmingham officers thought it was probably the same and contacted Mountbrook officials pretty quickly. Um, we had to wait until we could get confirmation of identification of our victim um, when the coroner's office was able to get some pictures and show the family and, and do a, um, a confirmation for, for who she was. On March 31, 2021, Jason McIntosh pleaded guilty to a reduced charge of murder and was sentenced to 30 years in prison. In the state of Alabama, a person who's convicted of murder will be eligible for parole after 85% of their sentence or 15 years, whichever is less. Then parole is considered every five years after if they're denied. This man will be up for parole in 15 years. 2034. My younger son will just be turning 21, and it's possible he could run into Jason McIntosh at a bar somewhere. And even if he never gets parole, he'll be out in 30. That's disgusting. After the murder, the Alabama law enforcement agency claimed that they were legally required to return Jason's gun to him. Except they weren't. The law said that he was not supposed to be in possession of a firearm. The agency specifically said, quote, The restraining order did not restrict Mr. McIntosh's access to firearms, end quote. But it did. So the ALEA doesn't know that Alabama law says that someone with an order of protection against them for domestic violence isn't allowed to have any firearms in their possession. How are they going to protect people from domestic violence when they don't even know what the laws are? Then they made the excuse that there were no laws on the books that would have prevented Jason from purchasing another gun. Some people believe that Jason would have been flagged if he tried to purchase another gun, but even if he wasn't, then make him do that. Don't hand him a gun and then after he murders someone go, well, he could have purchased a gun anyway, so no harm, no foul. That's just stupid. Megan's family questioned the legality of returning Jason's gun to him, saying, quote, so the restraining order can prohibit him from contacting, phoning, texting, harassing, stalking, but oh, by the way, you can have a gun. That's ridiculous, end quote. Even Jason's lawyer was surprised that he was given his gun back, stating, quote, in my opinion, it was irrational, illogical, and not prudent to do so, end quote. Unfortunately for Johnny Montgomery, this was not the first woman in his life to be murdered. On January 10, 1997, Johnny's mother, Lillian Montgomery, was shot to death by an ex-con who had been boarding with her and working at her store. She was coincidentally shot three times. Johnny was 27 years old at the time. Megan's family has started the Megan Montgomery Domestic Violence Prevention Fund to raise awareness of domestic abuse and educate young people about the signs of an abusive relationship. The number of women shot and killed by an intimate partner has been on the rise after decades of decline. After peaking in the mid-90s, the number fell to its lowest in 2013 with approximately 750 deaths. Since then, the number has gone back up and was 964 in 2019. One of the reasons is the lack of collecting guns from abusers. 
though many states have laws prohibiting people with an order of protection against them from possessing firearms, nobody is making sure those people surrender their weapons. If you're the victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. Please call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233, or go to thehotline.org to chat with someone online. The great thing about this website is that, at any time, hitting the escape key twice will instantly take your browser to a Google search page. In the event the abuser is nearby, you can assure that you don't get caught trying to get help. If you're having feelings of harming yourself or someone else, or even just need someone to talk to, please contact your local mental health facility, call 911, or call Mental Health America, who operate the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Be safe. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. You can help us out by leaving us a review or rating on whatever podcast app you listen through. You can also subscribe to the show to ensure that you don't miss an episode. Also, remember that if you'd like to support the show, the easiest way is to donate a few bucks at Buy Me A Coffee or check out some of our merchandise at Teespring. You can find information on how to do that along with links to our social media at thisismonsters.com. Thanks again. Life's full of things we can't depend on. Like the Irish weather, predictably unpredictable. When you're cutting it fine, but the tractor in front is out for the day. No winner of this week's you-know-what. So much for Lucky 7. But some things you can depend on. Like in home heating. Emo, Jones Oil and Campus Oil are now Certa, Delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future. For home heating you can depend on, see CertaIreland.ie. This Christmas, feel joy, gift joy, and send them joy with the perfect gift at Arnott's. Explore an endless array of gifting that will bring joy to everyone on your list. Shop Irish at the Christmas market, support emerging new businesses with Pitch 22, or find something extra special from one of our world-class brands. Shop in-store and online at arnott's.ie. There's nothing like getting a card or parcel in the post. So send from the heart and get 20 Christmas stamps for just €20 from onpost.com or your local post office. And don't forget, the last day for posting to Great Britain is Monday, December 19th. OnPost, for your world. For more information, see onpost.com slash Christmas.